program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Hello and welcome. Thanks for tuning in this week. It's great to have you back. I hope you've had a really great week. I have to say I have. And since this show is really about showcasing folks that are meaningfully connected to their work or find some purpose in it, can I just say that I have had a great week. Um, just today, I got to facilitate a Strengths Finder workshop for a group of therapists here in Dallas. They're trying to use it to better connect themselves to their work and do a better service to their patients, which of course I think is awesome. Um, you might recall that I am a, a Gallup Certified Strengths Coach, and so... Um, for me, being able to do that kind of work with them is like right the sweet spot for me. So great group, great discussion. Um, and then last week, I got to do some work with a nonprofit here in Dallas on their strategic planning. So that'll be fun to facilitate their board retreat. And then at the end of the week, I got to go to Los Angeles and facilitate a crucial conversations workshop for a group of really sharp business intelligence and information technology professionals. So the variety is fantastic, right? Um, so I love that I get to be on the developmental journey with these folks and my audiences, and I'm grateful that I get to do the work that fuels me and helps me realize my own potential along the way. So how great is that? So that was my week. I hope you had a great one yourself. Um, so for those of you who tuned in last week, it was a fun show. Uh, we had I had Wade Cottingham of Lakewood Piano Lab here in East, East Dallas, and what he shared with us was really how he transformed his own career from computer programming into teaching piano to kids here in Dallas. Um, but the, probably the best part of it was he shared his secret to enjoying every day at work, and it was just a simple mental perspective change. So really, now he, it was pretty subtle for him. He just really stopped calling his business a piano teaching business and called it a piano lab. And so that sounds pretty subtle, but really for him, that change activated in him the notion of discovering and creating music rather than trying to impart an ability to play it. So if you get that little distinction there. So all about exploring music, creating it, developing. And then that kind of just wiped away all the frustration when the students didn't quite get what, it, what he was trying to impart. So I love that aspect that he shared with us. And so when you think about that, people being mindful about their work, that's one of the things that I like to be able to tell my listeners is to, is to, to try to be more mindful about what you're doing. So if you are miserable in what you're doing out there, maybe even just a simple perspective change could do wonders for you. So now changing gears, this week we get to talk with Mark Mitford, who will be speaking about his 20-year-plus perspective in the human resource field. He's going to share a bit about his own career and give our listeners some perspective and tips for managing their own career. So as most of you know, if you've been listening regularly, I like to tell you how I meet my guests. So I met Mark several years ago here in Dallas, 
and it would have been at some kind of a human resources networking function. And I don't remember exactly when it was, but it would have been several years ago. And we keep showing up and meeting each other at the same events. So obviously similar paths, similar, similar interests. So I asked him to come on the show because I thought that his perspective on human resources would be interesting for those of you who are out there looking for your next gig and maybe trying to find a, a new career, all those kinds of things. He's got a wealth of experience to share. And then, of course, his own background is interesting. So welcome to the show, Mark. It's great to have you with us. Great. Thanks, Elise. Uh, pleasure to be here. Yeah, and so you could be out there, you know, boating or grilling, and you're on the show with me. Thanks. <laughs> well, I, I'm sure this will be really good. I'm, I'm sure this will be really insightful for not only uh, the two of us, but also for the uh, the listening audience out there, too. Well, it's fun for me. So um, to kick us off, will you just quickly introduce yourself? Say a bit about who you are, what you're doing these days. I know you've got a new human resources consulting company, so the kinds of services you're providing. So a little synopsis about who you are these days. Sure, my pleasure. Um, again, my name is Mark Mitford. Um, I started a company called HR Catalyst Consulting uh, about a year and a half ago, so I'm the managing director for that organization. And what it is is really a boutique uh, HR consulting firm really focused on working with small to mid, middle market-sized companies. So companies, typically target companies for me would be about 50 to 500 employees who really don't have a strategic HR plan in place. And a lot of these companies not only run into um, liability risk because uh, they don't know what they don't know, and that's not a good place to be in today's environment, but also really they don't have a real focus on um, what they're doing from a people perspective. So when you think about their uh, most companies, the the balance sheet, what actually makes up the cost structure of most companies is probably 60 to 75% people-related. And a lot of times organizations and leaders who, especially if they started off from an entrepreneurial perspective, they really don't understand that much about the people side of the equation. They really understand the business or the product side, but then it's really helping those entrepreneurs and those business leaders who really come from a different type of career background, how they can actually utilize their employees and really get the most out of their employees. And hopefully, ultimately, if they do things right, they'll actually be able to have their employees truly enjoy the work environment that they're in and they really they end up loving their job, which makes everything work much better and ultimately should add to the growth and the success of the organization. Mm-hmm. I love that. I also have always appreciated how you talk about your work, your perspective, and the way you describe it. It's very crisp. I love the strategic element that you do. It's it's wonderful. So I'll, I'll look forward to seeing how your business develops and grows from here. And toward the end, I want to hear more about how it is you're going to develop it, because I think that's important for those listeners out there trying to do something new or maybe going off on their own as you are. So uh, we'll get to that maybe toward the end of the show. But but meanwhile, you know I have to ask, Mark. I mean, I'm a meaning and work researcher. I have to ask how you got into your work. Why this work? Why not something else? Um, and I think if I remember right along the way, you, you did have an intention to go into another field. Maybe you could hit that as well. Sure. You know, I think the biggest thing is that um, uh, one of the key things that I looked at early on in my career, which, which I'll go back uh, numerous years, and I, I'll, I'll probably not want to share my age since I'm, I'm getting, up, uh, getting a little bit older now, but, uh, but I wanted to just share kind of a funny story is that I enjoyed, um, I started off actually in an uh, uh, undergraduate program pre-med, so very vastly different career uh, with much more of a focus on math and science, but I took a couple of psychology classes uh, in my junior year, actually, and really enjoyed the the uh, the, the the real people side of um, of science. So I would put it that way. 
And um, again, just a very funny story there is I actually worked as one of my first jobs was actually working waiting on tables. So I did that in uh, undergrad, and I also did that through my graduate degree. And that not only helped to pay the bills, but also put cash in my pocket. And um, I also found out that I was a pretty good judge of people. And so I found that I could very quickly kind of assess the table and and figure out, you know, are they there to have a really good time? Is it just kind of a first date or something like that to where they really want me to leave them alone so they can really spend time talking to one another? And I think ultimately I found out that um, through my uh, getting into my master's degree that I figured out if I could blend the two of not only blend business but also blend the psychology side, the people side of the equation, that I probably had a pretty good knack at doing that. And so ultimately that led me into looking for career fields where I could actually blend uh, what I knew about people and being a good judge of character and hopefully being able to have some good listening and empathy skills and also blend that with business. So that ended up kind of, long story short, ended up in a field of human resources. And that uh, started off my career in the uh, the HR field, which I really enjoyed. And uh, and just to your other question regarding uh, uh, possible diversion, actually in my first job where I was working actually at a large telecom company in Dallas, Erickson, um, I was actually approached uh, a few years into my career to actually move into the sales environment. And um, uh, amazingly, so I was really shocked and very much more shocked than anything as to why a VP of sales would actually be asking me to possibly think about sales. But interestingly enough, he really broke it down into the core components or core competencies of what's involved with being a salesperson. And um, because I really didn't have the technical nuances of being in the telecommunications business. But fascinatingly enough, again, he really he saw me facilitate um, and, and really work and work with people on a, a large executive retreat he actually attended and I was helping to facilitate. And uh, he really felt like I had some of the core skills and uh, was able to, uh, to speak uh, well and somewhat eloquently, be able to uh, facilitate a group, as you well know about at least because you have a lot of expertise there. And so he actually, um, bottom line is I turned down his offer, even though I was very appreciative of it. But it was interesting because that was probably two to three years into my career with Erickson, and I've always kind of wondered in the back of my mind occasionally what that could have led me to because it would have definitely pulled me out of the HR field and led me into more of a, more of a career into sales. Mm. You know, there's a couple things that I want to say about what you just said there, Mark. One, I think it's really remarkable that at the young age of whatever it was, 22, that you had the ability to really understand really who you were and what you'd be good at and that maybe pre-med wasn't the right way to go. But being able to really understand that about yourself and have that kind of insight, I think, is really unusual. And I don't know how many listeners can really relate to that. I talk to people all the time who say, Mine was a winding path. I mean, I got here by up and back and forth across the river and through the woods, and it, it wasn't nearly as tight and crisp as you just described. <laughs> Have you been told that before, or do you feel that way? You know, I, I think... I think over the years, I think I've really, I probably have become a little more crisp with it over the years, I think, because it was, uh, again, it was a little bit of kind of really that shock factor as to why in the world, at first my initial reaction was, I think this person has called the wrong number because I don't know why he's calling me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, as he, and as he broke it down, you know, he really was very, uh, he was a good salesperson because he was trying to persuade me into saying, well, here's why I think you could do this. 
And um, so, again, it was one of those things that occasionally, every once in a while, when the job is getting to be perhaps a little bit of a grind, then occasionally I would say, yeah, maybe I should have taken him up on his offer. Mm-hmm. And it may have led me down to something totally different. But but ultimately, I think, you know, looking back and reflecting over my, uh, you know, probably 25 years in the corporate America world, uh, you know, it, it's I think it's turned out quite well, so... Hmm. Well, yeah, and then there's that other wonderful thing about your background, and that wonderful mix of you know the analytical mind with the servant heart, which we've talked about before. Um, and what I think is interesting is you brought up the psychology piece. Just happened to take a psychology course, and it, right now as we speak, I'm teaching a, a social psychology class at the University of Phoenix. And you're right that there is a certain mentality that does either instill or maybe attract folks with some empathy, being able to connect with people on a personal level. Um, it's interesting to me. I don't know that I really realized that that psychology class had such a such an impact on you. That's that's quite interesting. Not super surprising, but interesting. Well, I think it's you know it's one of those things where it may have uh, it may have gone back to the professor too. But I think it was uh, you know I probably very openly and you know and even though I don't know who's out there from an audience perspective, but very openly I. I think as I started to do the math in my head about a field in medicine, which I thought would have been very fulfilling, and and I probably wanted to do that from when I was probably 10 years old, and being a pediatrician, I I, I kind of really felt like that after I think the analytical side of me started to do the quick math and perhaps uh, what kind of debt I would be in by the time I was actually a full practicing physician, that I really felt long and hard that maybe there's another option out there that would also fulfill what I was trying to do. But also, and also bring me, you know, personal fulfillment, but also be able to help uh, people in a in a business environment. So I think that I was able to blend a lot of the best worlds of what I was looking for and find a find a, uh, a fulfilling career. Mm-hmm. The practical element, you know, what a concept. You know, I, I have heard people talk about that. Geez, I'd like to do this kind of work, but I really don't want to go to school and incur debt for X number of years. So I do understand that. Um, I, I did want to ask you. Sort of alluded to it right there. The next thing I want to I want to ask you is is really the kinds of things that you've been proud of in your career, the things that you have found meaningful. So you've been at it for twenty five years, and I'm sure it's changed over the course of those years. But maybe what are some of the high points that you've been proud of? And then I'd like to also hear what are you what are you finding meaningful these days? Sure. No, that's uh, thanks for asking. It's uh, you know I think one of the biggest things is really focused on when when I think about prior. Um, Prior positions in career, I was when I got up and and for those of you that um, are are in kind of a you know have worked in a larger company environment, uh, you know the the senior level HR role typically for a, a good part of my career I was working directly with or sometimes directly for the general manager, the CEO, the president of a, a business unit or part of a, a large business entity. And, and, and quite often, uh, and again, probably two-thirds of my career was spent in the technology world. So most of the leaders came out of an engineering field, and, and hopefully I don't, uh, I, I don't offend anybody in the audience, but, but a lot of times engineers, they, they're, they're, they're very much around the tangible things, the black and white things. And so quite often their people skills are not exactly where they need to be, and perhaps I can help them out there. Uh, looking at that, I think it, over my career, some of the proudest moments have really been focused around taking people whose strengths and gifts were really not uh, put into the people aspect of the business and really helping to coach them and being able to build a relationship and somewhat becoming a confidant for them around helping to actually really uh, to help them to become a better leader. 
and really help them to become more personable, uh, more empathetic, a better listener, um, sometimes a better presenter because sometimes um, you know they're they're even just their basic presentation skills were not good at all. And so really helping people break out of things that were really nerve-wracking or uncomfortable to them and taking some of those, going back to you know a, a buzzword in HR around core competencies, really helping them from a competence perspective become a little more extroverted, um, a little more eloquent, a little more empathetic to people's needs because quite often engineers were always looking for the right solution and they want to the world to be in somewhat uh, you know analytical terms where there's one right answer. And unfortunately, what good or bad is, I think uh, people, as you all know, at least come in shades of gray. And that's kind of what makes uh, the world fun. And that what's, uh, that's what helps, I think, people who do the type of work that we do kind of get our fulfillment because every time you go in front of a group or every time you work with a different person, they're gonna, the, there's not one right answer as to how you're actually going to, uh, to be able to work with that person and be able to build a positive relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, what I think is interesting about what you just narrated there, Mark, and I don't know how many people in the audience will, will connect to this, but there is such a psychological element there. There's the, the coaching, there's a counseling element there, and what you've just described, especially that confident kind of role and the coaching up and the developing piece. I have to say that's a lot of what I've really enjoyed in the field that I've been in, being also in human capital. Um, I, I think it's interesting that you're using the same kind of terms that people might find themselves saying if they were, in fact, a, a psychologist or a counselor. Don't you think that's interesting? I, I do. I think it's it's one of those things where, um, you know, I do have somewhat of an analytical side to me occasionally, but, uh, you know, I, I've taken enough classes in statistics and calculus to know my way around uh, uh, <laughs> some, some, some good math and, and some good science along the way. But, you know, I think overall that's where I try to blend things together to really say that even, even, with, uh, even with folks who are in very... Um, uh, very analytical type roles. I think one of the toughest things that uh, for a lot of people in their career, especially if they decide to perhaps become an entrepreneur or if they if they find themselves moving from a uh, an engineering uh, a, a senior software engineer, let's say for a generic title, and then moving into an an engineering manager or engineering director. I think one of the toughest things is typically that leap over to the managerial or leadership role. Because so many people, again, they didn't study it in school, and so they really find themselves struggling because what really got them so far, perhaps from the first five or ten years of their career, what's going to take them to the next level in their career is going to be a totally different set of skills. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, there's, there are some times where people just don't succeed that well from a leadership or management perspective once they make that leap because they really have to start using a totally different set of skills. But I think that's where, you know, the roles probably we play and the role that I find myself really enjoyable is helping somebody who doesn't have, that's not something that is really within their comfort zone or sweet spot, Yeah. really helping them be able to take some areas which are weaknesses or developmental opportunities and really helping them to work on those to where they can actually become a strength and become an asset. And, and you know, I think I've had some, you know, good success in taking some very uh, extra, uh, introverted engineers and really turning them into leaders where I've been kind of in the back of the room kind of smiling ear to ear. They don't see me. And so Mark, with, sorry uh, about that. Hold your thought if you would. We've got to take a quick break here. Okay. And I want to hear the rest of that story and an example if you can after the break. But sure. time for a quick break here, just a sec. So we've been on the air with Mark Mitford of HR Catalyst Consulting here in Dallas, Texas. 
He's been sharing his experience of navigating his own career and talking about some of the high points over the last 25 years and what he's learned. You can learn more about him while we're on break by visiting his website at www.hrcatalystconsulting.com. After the break, we'll hear more about that example. Stay tuned. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We're here with Mark Mitford, who was sharing his journey of entering the field of human resources and talking a bit about what he's found wonderful about it along the way. And just before the break, we were talking about an example of what he's been doing over the years when he's trying to work with someone to help maybe transition them from maybe more of a technical role into a leadership role. So pick up where you left off, would you, Mark? Sure. My pleasure, Elise. Uh, yeah, I was, I was going to say there that it was actually um, a, a number of years ago, probably 14 or 15 years ago, when I was working with a, uh, I, again, kind of a classic, and I hate to, uh, I, I hate to isolate people, but typical, uh, you know, somewhat of your, uh, perhaps a stereotypical engineer out there in the world. So a little more introverted, uh, not really good in front of groups, and so... Uh, the first time where I, when, when I was uh, seeing the individual present, and this was to probably an audience of uh, probably close to 100, maybe a little bit over 100 people, 100 employees that actually were in uh, part of the business unit. Uh, long story short there is he very, um, I felt really poorly, which, and again, it's one of those things that presentation skills is one of those skills that a lot of people, it's right up there with, you know, the, the, the fear of death around one of those things which a lot of people hate is public presentations. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but he really was in the situation to where uh, really it was. I felt really bad for him because it lets it, it didn't go well. So after after we talked, he he told me that he was extremely nervous about it, and uh, the next time he had to present to a similar size group in his uh, in his organization, I I somewhat scripted. And I would really say almost scripted, so it was probably several pages of copious notes for him to actually go through and review and actually use. Uh, so that went better, but we finally got to the point to where within about three months or four months of working with this individual, uh, he actually went up there with, uh, went in front of a group with like three bullets. And the three bullets would only give a couple of uh, little cheat notes, so um, that really helped to focus on focus the discussion and as I was mentioning before the break I was talking about I was kind of grinning in the back of the room from ear to ear because like it or not I said well I played a little part in helping that individual really focus on really becoming somewhat of a very eloquent uh, presenter and it was one of those things to where taking that person who was a little more introvert a little more uncomfortable in front of a large group and really getting to the point to where they were able to use humor appropriately be able to be empathetic and uh, just being able to uh, hopefully play somewhat of a small part in in helping that individual become a more successful leader in the organization. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to tell you along those lines, Mark, I, for whatever reason, it's probably because I started my human capital career back in 1998 as an information technology recruiter. But for whatever reason, I find myself doing a lot of workshops for technical audiences. And I, I appreciate what you're saying. And I really enjoy working with them because they are analytical, and they do want to know why. Why are we doing this? This doesn't make sense. And they, they do punch a lot of holes in things to get their mind around it. And, and so when we see that growth and that development in them, it, it is incredibly satisfying. It's incredibly rewarding. And I feel like there's such a, a smart crowd to work with anyway that for me, getting to work with them is, is pretty awesome. But that being able to break through and add maybe some soft skills to that wonderful technical mind, I know for me, has also been very rewarding. So I get what you're saying. Right, exactly, and I think that's the key thing is really how do you how do you take somebody who's extremely intelligent and and really just everybody has gaps in there and 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 we all have blind spots and helping them identify those blind spots in their career and their uh, their uh, skill sets and then just helping them hone those and so they can become much more well rounded and typically they become a much better much better leader much better uh, overall person so. Hmm. Hmm. Well, let's let's switch gears just a little bit because one of the things I definitely want to do for for the audience this week is for those people that are tuning in because they want some career advice of their own. You've you've had twenty five years plus there on shall we say on the inside, <laughs> so you have a pretty unique experience that I think would be really useful to the listeners who are out there trying to find their next gig, maybe trying to change up their career. Um, and so let's hear maybe what it seems to be when people are looking at that big behemoth black hole HR. Um, let's talk about how they can actually land a job today. So maybe you, you've been working with lots of folks in, in corporate America. Can you help us better understand the process that many of those organizations go through to actually hire someone? I think that's a mystery to a lot of people. Right. Sure. No, happy, happy to, to, uh, to expand on that a bit. So it's, it's one of those things where I would, I would say that the, that because of the uh, so many positions being put out there on the large job search um, sites and the job posting sites, such as the you know the monsters or the career builders of the world, uh, most companies, especially if it's a larger company that has a lot of name recognition, they are typically very inundated in which it's not uncommon for 
an organization to receive over well over a thousand resumes for a position. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think one of the key things, and, and, and like it or not, and, and I've never been in a pure recruiting role, but I've also been, I've been around a lot of recruiters, and typically what a recruiter's trying to do is actually the first go-round that after a job is agreed upon, it's signed off on by the manager and is posted on a, on a website, uh, it, it's typically that a recruiter's job is to narrow down the field as quickly as possible. So, so if you have an example, if you you know if I I'll use something tangible and just say, okay, let's say for a position, uh, for a sales manager position uh, with company X Y Z, they get a thousand resumes, and the recruiter's job is to really kick out as many resumes as quickly as possible, and really find the probably narrow it down to the, let's say, 20 or 30 that are the top, that are really the best fit. And so that's really what the recruiter's trying to do. So I'd say for a job seeker, one of the things that was frustrating for myself and also the recruiter would be if you, if the job is a stretch. So if I use the sales example, and I've had a career in customers, if I had a, I've had a career in retail my whole career, and now you're applying for a sales manager in a technology company, and you said, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm just going to post my resume for every position that I find. That, what that does is it really kind of clogs up the system. And so even if you're thinking, well, I'm going to cast a really wide net, I would say as a job seeker, the best thing to do is if you find that if you really think about it and you really say, you know what, this position, there's, there's probably a, you know, a tenth of a percent chance of me landing this position, then I would say that it's better not to actually send in your resume because one of the things that really does frustrate recruiters, frustrates myself, is if somebody's applying for a job, they clearly have, they didn't even look at the job description and they really have no match for it. So really think about that as a job seeker to really focus on uh, applying for jobs where when if you're looking at a job description that has 10 items on it, if you have a really good match for, let's say, eight of the items, and you have experience and you say, you know what, I've done that before, I've done that before, this is great, I may be a little bit light here, then I would say go ahead and apply for it. But if you have those 10 key aspects of the job description that the company's looking for and you only match two of them, I would say it's better not to waste your time or the company's time for applying for that position because the chance of you landing that position is very slim to none. And you probably will also, as a job seeker, you're going to become very frustrated and sometimes a little bit depressed because you find that you're getting all these rejections or all these things go in this black hole and nothing ever comes back out. So I'd say it's really incumbent on the job seeker to help the recruiter by if you have a job that you really are a good match for, apply for it, do a cover letter, because those are the things that are going to stand out. And typically, the other big thing I'd say there is also for the recruiter is, if there are things you can show that are, if you want to tweak your resume a bit to really match up some of the competencies, if you have some of the competencies and the words that they use in a job description, take five minutes and and perhaps customize a resume so you use some of the words in the language that the job description is written in 
so the the recruiter the recruiter is typically scanning a resume within let's say probably fifteen or twenty seconds when they look at one individual resume. But if you have some keywords that you actually match up with a job description, there's a better chance the recruiter is actually going to give your resume a second look, and that should increase your probability of for, of moving further down the recruitment pipeline. Hmm. I think that is such powerful advice. And from my years of recruiting, I guess I probably spent about, oh, I don't know, five or six years in in direct recruiting, Uh, first starting out as a a staffing consultant and then recruiting as a consultant within organizations, corporate organizations like like you were in. And I think you're spot on, right? Being able to really help your resume look like, yes, I've I've actually done this work. And that seems counterintuitive to people because they, they think, you know, but I want this next job. I don't have that experience yet. And I think what's really important to remind listeners is that, well, for now, the company is trying to hire what you've already done, what you already know. Can you speak to that a little bit? Sure. I would say that, uh, again, nowadays, because it is a little bit of a, uh, a buyer's market for the company, I would say one of the key things you have to do is, is um, you know, really focus on um, looking at your skills. And even if, they're, even if you're trying to come in from a different career field, I think one of the key things, if you're trying to break in from a uh, from a technology company over to, let's say, a uh, a, a company that sells, um, you know, a, a consumer product goods company, so kind of a little bit of a large leap. I would say that you really again focus on spending the time to really look at some of your key accomplishments and really focus on not just what you've done, but how the co- the accomplishments have really focused on driving the business forward. What have you actually done, and how you can put tangible results down? So, um, how you know if you were in a customer service role, how have you increased customer satisfaction? Did you um, did you have a very high response rate of satisfaction from surveys that were taken? What are there tangible things that you can show the point blank results of? Here's what I did, but here's how it actually impacted the business. Here here's how it actually impacted the role that I have to show that I was actually truly very successful in the role that I was in. And therefore, uh, that will help to also show, especially if you're trying to transfer from one industry to another, the more you can show some tangible results and how you had excellent career results in what you did, the better chance you'll actually be further considered within the recruitment process of another company. Mm-hmm. And I think probably for so many people, myself included, is that, that that challenge of being able to really describe what is the value to the company, to the organization. And it is important. It's such an important thing to put in your resume to be able to say in interviews. And it's one of the reasons that I like doing the strength stuff because it's a way for people to describe really who they are and the value they bring. And I think your point is so incredibly well taken, so important for our listeners to hear to be able to put on their resume just what have they contributed and to help set them apart and, you know, to be part of that culling process where they're one of the 30 of the 1,000 versus the 970, right. which must be probably maybe a little bit um, depressing for some of the folks out there listening. So all the more reason that it's so important to be able to tailor that resume. Right, exactly, exactly. You know, uh, one of the other things that I think is probably worth talking about here is I, I know that there are many people out there that will, they, they are very strategic about their job search. They are looking at certain organizations, certain companies. So let's talk about the scenario where someone has targeted a company they really want to work for. So what kind of advice can you offer them to help gain entry there? Sure. It's, uh, you know, I'd say one of the biggest things is that I, I think if, if anybody's in the job-seeking world right now and they are, they're either looking for a job because they're in transition from a current opportunity 
or they're unsatisfied with where they're at. I think one of the key things is really, really using LinkedIn. It's probably one of the most, to me, it's, it's a little bit um, analogous with the, it's the professional version of Facebook. So if you have, and, and a lot of people may say, I don't know that many people to actually have a LinkedIn page. The good thing is it's, it's say, for the basic services on something like a tool like LinkedIn, um, you know, it, it's a free service. So you can go on there, use all the bells and whistles for the most part um, without having to pay a penny for it. And one of the key things it is, is go ahead and connect. The power of LinkedIn is really when you start connecting with people. So networking is one of the critical things with any successful job search because when you network with people, the key thing there is you never know if your next-door neighbor or your neighbor two doors down from you actually works for that company or maybe they have a maybe their father works for their company or their sister works for that company and the the better chance that you have if you can actually get a situation to where you can find a per, a person a live person in that company that you're targeting to actually get your resume to the hiring manager is usually the best strategy to actually have somebody hand deliver your resume to the hiring manager or if they know a recruiter hand deliver it to the recruiter because that will set you apart so the larger you the larger you cast your net from a networking perspective linkedin's a great way to do that um, from a uh, looking at it from a social media perspective but the more that you talk to people whether you're in a social group um, a church organization if it's your uh, your child's Boy Scouts uh, troop, the more people that know you're in an active job search, and if you're targeting a company, then reach out to those folks and use those people. And they will gladly, most people, I would say, 95% of the time, they're happy to help people when they're looking at a job search because they've either been there or they're, they just empathize with you, and they're willing to, if you send them a copy of a resume, they're willing to go that extra mile to perhaps hand-deliver it to if if that person works in that targeting company, they're they're willing to hand deliver it to the manager or the recruiter, so that you'll separate yourself from uh, the other nine hundred and some odd people who are out there who are just doing a blast email to a to a website. Mm-hmm. Such great advice. And what I would add to that, just before we go on break here, is that I think when you do do that, so so very important to be sure that you, as that job seeker, really thank the person that made that introduction for you, and make sure you follow up and. You know the thank you cards, all those important things. So that your your manners better be in good order. In other words, right? <laughs> exactly. That, it really is. That is so true. And sometimes we don't do a good job of that. And that's that's so critical when you're doing a job search. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. So time for a short break here at this juncture. We've been on the air with Mark Midford of HR Catalyst Consulting. After the break, I want to learn more about maybe how some of the the young people people who have very little experience can maybe gain entry into into the job market. Stay with us. We'll be after. We'll see you after the break. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. 
To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Divorce leaves behind some lasting scars. Besides the emotional impact of starting over, keeping your family in order, co-parenting, and the general confusion that comes with it, there are also financial impacts, slow and grueling legal processes, and lack of support and resources to turn to. Tune in to Divorce Sucks, a smart girl's guide to doing it better, with host Laura Maiola. We'll bring you the tools to sort it all out the right way. Every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. I'm Elise Cortez, your host, and we've been on the air with Mark Midford of HR Catalyst Consulting. Where we left off before the break was we were talking about how folks may try to gain entry into a target company that they really have their heart set on. And Mark was describing the importance of leveraging social media and using tools like LinkedIn to be able to reach out to people maybe who are already working at that target company to perhaps maybe hand deliver their resume or open a dialogue. So that's where we, where we left off the conversation. Um, anything else you want to add to that, Mark? You know, I'd say the key thing there is, uh, Elise, is that... Uh, you know, even for for those folks uh, that, that are are very comfortable in their jobs, they're very comfortable in their company, and I would say the the, the key the, the the key piece of advice there is go ahead and get on LinkedIn, have a have a LinkedIn presence or social media presence of some type, because unfortunately, I think we've both seen where uh, and 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 you never know when a company may downturn. So just because a person's been there for fifteen or twenty years doesn't necessarily mean that they'll be able to retire from a company. And the sooner that they get that presence, the best time to be actively out there and as still actively networking is when you have a job because that's, uh, that's really critical to do and that's part of the success, success factor of a job search. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you are reminding me of some really wonderful words that one of my, my lady friends that I have here in Dallas talks about. She's a great networker. And one of the things that she says is it's so, so very important to have and develop and nurture your network all the time because you don't know when you may, you know, need to call in a favor. And if you haven't been nurturing that network, it's kind of hard just to reach out out of the blue and say, hey, can I, can you help me? <laughs> I need a favor, right? Uh, and so the importance of really trying to... Um, Stay on top of that, of that nurturing and that network. I think that's a, an important point to impart as well. Exactly. I think that's a, that's a great idea, and, and it's one where where I would say that I'm probably not the best at it. And I I, I think I, over the years, 
uh, I think I've tried to be a little bit more methodical and a little more intentional about it because it is so true. And that's and that's the group who's who's uh, there's a very high probability they're the group that's going to be the ones that are are going to help you land your next opportunity. Mm-hmm. So true. People who already know you, right? Know your work product, know you. I couldn't agree more. And so, so to that end, let's maybe kind of switch gears a little bit here. Maybe go to the other end of the spectrum. You had mentioned folks that maybe have been in their job for 15 to 20 years. Let's talk about those young people that maybe are fresh out of college or fresh out of school and they're looking for one of their first opportunities. They want to land that first job. What kind of advice do you have for them? You know, I'd say one of the key things is, uh, for, well, first and foremost, I'd say while you're even in college, um, you know, quite a few I've, I've got now, um, hard to believe it, but I've got one in college and one right behind her. But, uh, uh, you know, I think it's, it's getting meaningful if you can. Even if you're, if you're trying to get a summer job, uh, try to get for college for college students because they are so vastly intelligent now. I'm just blown away by what I see coming, you know, the kids coming out of college, well, young adults really, is that if you can find an internship or, or a paid job, that is not perhaps a formal internship per se, but if you can find something that has skills that will be applicable to what you want to do in your career, those are the types of things I think that uh, that uh, uh, college students really need to be thinking about. So not only just because if you can just because you can make maybe a dollar or two more an hour at a place in the summertime, is that is that job going to really help you? to build your resume. So I think even thinking about building your resume and, and going through that process with my, uh, with, with my kids around helping them to look at scholarship applications, really helping them because they have to come out with a resume, helping to be thinking about not only what kind of things you do during the summer, perhaps, if that's the only time that you work, but also what types of organizations do you belong to on campus. And how do you translate if you're in a uh, if you're in a sorority or fraternity? Did you hold an officer level position with that group? Um, were you an officer with a with a uh, philanthropic group on uh, on your campus? And how do you take those skill sets? And again, I go back to because I'm a big believer in you know things like you talked about with strength finders, and also things about core competencies. If you can focus on Taking boiling down your 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 resume and your background into core competencies. What are you really good at, and what have you what do you have experience in that would be very applicable for a a company looking for the ideal candidate? And really, so being a little bit introspective mm-hmm. from a college student perspective, and really thinking about you know what I was the treasurer. I want to get a job in finance. I was the treasurer for my uh, sorority fraternity. Great. That's something that you're dealing with large sums of money, so make sure you highlight that on a resume. Um, the other thing to do would be also, which I know that I found myself personally because I know uh, friends of mine that have college-age kids, um, I think even asking your one of your parents, I don't think you should be ashamed about it, but asking them to perhaps reach out to their network and letting their network know, you know, Susie, Johnny, Sally is going to be getting out of school soon, and I just wanted here's their background, here's their resume. If you know that uh, if you know that your company's looking for somebody who's highly motivated and dedicated, um, uh, you know I'd love to be able to get this to the right person. Can you help me out with that? Mm-hmm. Again, the importance of leveraging your network, right? Really, and so the, the so other thing that I would back to that. Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, on, you know, we're social beings, and who's going to give us a job but a person, a human being? 
Uh, one of the other things that I think is interesting is my husband does a fair amount of uh, looking and, and interviewing uh, college graduates. He works in the, the financial services field. Um, and one of the things that he talks about is when he's interviewing these young people is there are certain people that really set themselves apart because they really they really worked at developing them, themselves in high school, in college, <clears throat> excuse me, and they showcase those things in the interview, on their resume, and those are attention-getter things. That's part of the reason they get the interview itself. Uh, so I think that's also a really important thing. Find a way, find ways to be able to add to your person and to your resume things that will be interesting to other people that will make them want to talk with you. Right. Another way to set yourself apart, right? Exactly. And, and, and you know, I think it's, it's uh, anything you can do in that environment uh, is great. Um, if, you, um, if you're looking for a field in finance or accounting or if you're looking for a field in another, uh, you know, another profession such as engineering, you know, even in the summer, even though it may not sound like the number one thing you want to do, See if there's a professional organization that's in your local community and maybe go to one of their meetings as a student. Mm-hmm. And, um, Great idea. Know, put, on, uh, put on a business suit. Um, go out there and shake some hands. Get some business cards made up um, with your, your, your key information on it and let them know that if you're graduating um, next year, tell people and have a, you know, the, uh, you know we, we talk about a lot about a 30-second elevator speech. Have a very crisp delivery, shake the person's hand, look them in the eye, do your 30-second elevator speech, hand them a business card. And typically you'll get a business card back, and that can be a person to add to your network. Wow, you know, I think that is also so important. I have seen young people do that, and it is very impressive. They, their card has their name, their email address, maybe what kind of work they're targeting, their phone number. Uh, it's just, it's really terrific. You want to make it as easy as possible for these people to get a hold of you afterwards. Right. And then, right, and the other great thing is, my husband will talk about this too, is when those people then do follow up with you, they ask for your card, and then they follow up with you. Again, that the number of people that... Um, are invited to follow up, but actually don't is is really kind of indicative. And and again, a great way to set yourself apart is simply to do that: follow up and 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 reach out with that email that introduces yourself and asks for maybe the next step in the process. Right, and it's and you know it. it I, I probably overuse the saying it's not rocket science, but a lot of times it. Again, going back to the example earlier about the thousand resume example, how do you separate yourself from the pack? And if you're diligent about that, and you're um, you know, you, you talk to, you, you send something out to, if you get 50 business contacts in the summer, you maybe give, a, give them an update. Or you say, you know, if you're, um, if you're in your sophomore year and you're looking for an internship, send them an email. Uh, send them an email in January just saying, you know what, um, I'm through my, uh, halfway through my junior year. I'm, I'm looking for an internship. Um, I, I would be thrilled if, you know, thank you so much. If, can you... Can you check to see if there's any internships with your company? I think there may be some interest, and I've heard there's internships. Uh, do you know the person who's going to be running that program, and can you help me with an introduction? That is fantastic advice. You know that, and that's the other thing that's kind of hard for a lot of us is thinking that far ahead, right? <laughs> Six months ahead or five months ahead, that, that is a ways out, and it is so important to have that strategic kind of a mindset. I think that's a great point. Great, great idea. Great. Thank you. Um, you know, one of the other things that I think it'd be kind of fun to get to really quick, you're just a bit of a, a turn the tables here. We've been talking about how people can get jobs and kind of what, what an organization goes through to hire someone. Um, I've been in the world where I've tried to work with employers to help them improve that process uh, along the way. So some of the thoughts that maybe you have, Mark, what can employers do to make getting a job easier and more pleasant for the job seeker? And, and do you have any examples of companies that really are doing it well? 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, one of the key things that have come from a company perspective is really focused on, uh, is first of all, first and foremost, is that a lot of companies, right out of the chute, they don't get the job description correct. And, and, and I use jokingly, I think the recruiter, it's incumbent on the recruiter to understand exactly what the manager is looking for. And, and sometimes I jokingly use, and I've used it for years, I don't know where I got the example from, but um, sometimes it's the purple squirrel with pink polka dots. Yeah, so, I've heard that before. So, I, 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 you know, it probably maybe we found it out at the same time, Elise. But, you know, long story short, it's the, um, it, it's the manager says he wants, he, he may start out, who knows, he may start out with a giraffe. And I'm looking for, here's the job description, and this is the giraffe I'm looking for. You, um, the, you get resumes, you post a job, uh, manager talks to a couple people, a little bit frustrated, and say, well, you figured out they didn't want a giraffe, they wanted a squirrel. And the story continues to go from the squirrel to where they want the purple squirrel to where they want the purple squirrel with pink polka dots. And that's mm-hmm. the ideal candidate. And so I think it's really incumbent on, and I really put this back on HR um, and the recruiter, to make sure there's a proper level of due diligence to make sure that, especially if it's a newly created position, the company really does a good job of homework of really identifying what are those top ten key items, the key competencies that are we need to put in the job description. Because mm-hmm. if you're asking for a giraffe and a giraffe applies, then it's not the, the fault of the giraffe, it's the fault of the company because they didn't really say and the manager didn't really translate and articulate that ultimately I wanted the purple squirrel with pink polka dots. So I think that's one of the key things um, there. And I also would say that the companies overall, I think we need to do a better job of using a formal, um, it's called an ATS system, an applicant tracking system. And some companies don't, there's a lot of very sophisticated tools out there, but I think some of those tools, a lot of the good ones out there actually do give a feedback mechanism because I think that a lot of companies, they, they, don't, um, they don't utilize the systems well enough that will actually give feedback to the candidate to know what's going on in the process. And I think that companies could do a lot better. I'd say one of the companies that were, when you talked about an example, uh, one of the companies I saw that actually did a fairly good job that I worked with um, a few years ago was PepsiCo. And I think Pepsi actually did quite a good example of actually utilizing uh, recruitment tools and actually giving feedback. And I found that that was one where I would say for the most, for the candidate experience, uh, when you're looking at it from a candidate's perspective, I think they actually did quite a good job with the recruitment process and giving and receiving feedback in a timely fashion. Well, that's great. And, you know, I did do a little consulting with PepsiCo, and I think you're absolutely right. I would agree with that. And, you know, PepsiCo is not paying us to say this. It's just what we're what we're into. So for those of you who work for PepsiCo, great job. Um, here we are at the close of the hour already, Mark. If you can believe it, the whole hour has almost flown by here. I had already probably another good six or seven questions I wanted to ask you, so maybe we'll get to have you back on the show another time. But I want to thank you for being on the show and sharing your perspective, your journey, and your own, how you how you entered the field of human resources, how you've navigated it. I know you're now off on your own, starting your own business, and that's fantastic. That's a new journey, a new transformation for you. We'll stay tuned for that. 
Um, and that in and of itself is an endeavor, we know. So um, now along those lines, next week where we're going, for those of you that will join me next week, and I hope you will, we are going to be talking with Nicole Pesor. And she, speaking of transition, wow, I mean, she's going to describe how her hard-earned career as an attorney for the city of New York was literally making her sick. And so she'll describe how she was able to return to health while giving that same gift back to others by literally upending that law career and becoming a yoga instructor. What a story. So I got to hear it over lunch a couple weeks ago, and I'll be sharing it with you next week. I look forward to having you tune back in. Thanks for joining us, and have a great week. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work.